Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. Center, it sounds very huge and elevated, and that's what it feels like. Like once you're working there, because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know, issue of people being different. I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Volume 319 of Broadway Bullet for September 17th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and this is the second part of our four-part New York Musical Theater Festival, or NYMPH, coverage. We got five more shows for you this week, including My Illustrious Wasteland, Marrying Meg, Streetlights, The Greenwood Tree, and The Cure. Also, next week, be sure to keep your eye out. We've got two episodes dropping, so if you're set to just drop you know, to get the most recent one, you might miss one. So double check, because not only do we have the third part in our Nymph series, we've also got my exclusive backstage coverage of the New York It Awards. And if you caught the episode last year, you'll know there's some amazing people there for me to interview. I I got a chance to interview Edward Albee last year. Uh, that was amazing. Olympia Dukakis and oodles and oodles of other major theater people. So you want to check that out as well. So double check, make sure you don't miss an episode because there are two. And we're going to get going this week here with uh, kicking off the program and the nymph coverage. On the boards. A rock musical dealing with a dystopian future filled with technology, My Illustrious Wasteland is coming to the New York Musical Theater Festival from October 1st through the 10th. And we have the book, music, and lyric writer, Todd Kimbrough. Hello. As well as the director, Julia Granacki. Hello. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Okay, I've been kind of pulling this thing on everybody just fun. I'm going to ask uh, you, Todd, your 15-second elevator pitch. You get somebody on the elevator and you get 15 seconds to tell them why they should come see your show. Well, come see it because it's got rock and roll, it's got tons of energy. Basically, imagine a world where movie stars are sainted, happy pills are mandatory, and a tiny computer lives in your brain. If you can imagine that, it might be coming soon, and this show is coming soon to you. I can't uh, do elevator pitches. That's the best thing. <laughs> okay, Julia, how's your elevator pitch? 15 seconds. Uh, this is a rock musical love story with a, a sci-fi kind of Joss Whedon meets Brazil sort of feel to it. Um, and it could be your future. So you might want to check it out. So that was much more ominous. And you also did a meets thing. You know, whenever you say something meets something, that always works well. You know what always helps in your 15-second elevator pitch? What? Say nudity. nudity. Even if you don't have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about hot chicks? <laughs> okay, so we do now. have hot chicks dancing. We do. So, yeah. now, you got longer than 15 seconds now. Tell, tell us, what is My Illustrious Wasteland about? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, basically, um, in a nutshell, it, it takes place in America probably about 80 years from now where society has pretty much devolved into – 
<laughs> it's kind of hard to put into words. People basically just don't use their brains anymore. They have computers in their brains. Which if do you want to check your iPhone to find out what you should say, you can. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the thing is I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I'm writing a piece that's kind of like speaking out in some ways against technology. But at the same time, I am pathetically codependent on it to the point where I was – literally walking around Times Square with my map program, waiting for my GPS dot to tell me where to go yeah. because I couldn't figure out where I was going. So it's going. not a far Sorry, cry from downer. where we already yeah. are. Exactly. It's basically just imagine taking your iPhone and putting it in your head, but then thinking about the ramifications of what could happen if all of a sudden your thoughts and your very sort of essence of who you are get sort of mixed together in a big salad bowl with the technological <laughs> implications of it. I'll stop right there because I'm going to give away too much plot. <laughs> 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 yes, I'm a geek, so I, and I, I, I love writing about things like that. Okay, so we got a lot of theme out of the way. Julia, maybe you can tell us, what are the characters? Where, where? Well, the, the story kind of centers around um, Sunny Day, who is more part of the um, sort of government regime, like that's sort of where she comes from. Um, and then Moggs is kind of he's sort of like a confused younger man and and they sort of meet in this very bizarre way and fall in love as these stories most usually mm-hmm. I happen. I think there's lots of women listening going is there any other type of younger man? True. True. <laughs> um, and well, so they're they're kind of caught in the middle or in the crossfire of of two sides who are fighting each other. And um the love story unfolds from there. Yeah. And basically, Sunny Day is, is the first lady, but she's about 23 and she's a pop tartlet. And Moggs basically has been living at home with his secluded ex-groupie mother, Loretta, pretty much since birth. And he's still there and he's about 25, so you get the picture. Kind of a mama's boy. <laughs> he's a mama's yeah. boy. He pretty much just plays his, – his game is – he's a video game tester basically, but now they're mind games. And, uh, yeah, and I play the president, Reverend M.D., who is sort of the head of the establishment, as it were, and they're battling against the realists who are these anti-technology, maybe terrorists, maybe saviors. We don't know. So what sort of technology did you use to assist yourself writing the score? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> well, I – gosh. Well, I'm guessing you didn't do this with pen and paper, you know, writing out the No, books. exactly. I, I, I pretty much used my computer from day one. I, I – Actually, that's funny because I don't think I did hardly a bit of actual writing. Sometimes with shows, I will actually use a pen and paper to write things down because it used to feel more immediate to me and more like I was creating something. But with this show, I was like, screw it. I'm working on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so before we go any further, maybe this is a good time to play uh, the first song from uh, your demo. Do you want to set Let's up the first song we're going to play? Well, as I I don't want to give away too many cool plot twists in, in Act 1. So um, I'll basically say this is a song. I'm going to say this right away. Musical basically. theater is not about plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It's about the music. It's about the characters and stuff. But but this you know, is a very. I don't uh, want to give spoilers on my. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert. This is a song sung by Mox and Sonny. It's basically the end of Act One. It's a very self-exploratory song. It's basically they've been put in positions without giving away too much, where they've been called to question their own sort of selves and beings. And um, this song is a song called Suspicious Sunny Day, which sort of um, ends Act One with a situation where Sunny Day has gone missing. No one knows where she is. Fact is, she's out on her own quest because she has no idea what's going on. She's got... There's some self-discovery. There's some very crazy self-discovery happening there. And then Moggs has been abducted by the realists, and he basically doesn't know where his life is going to take him from here. So that's Suspicious Sunny Day. All right. Take a listen. My mind is empty now 
So, Todd, I understand that you're, you know, coming back and forth from Orlando, and That's Julia, right. you're a New York resident, but uh, I get the picture that you've known each other a bit longer than just a few weeks? Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we made a discovery last night at rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, we went to a performing arts high school together in Florida, and he was standing at the piano, and one of the, it was during a break, and one of the actors was playing some Phantom, because they're musical theater people. That's what they do on their breaks, right? And um, I, I look over at Todd, and, and I had this moment, and I saw him in a cape, and I suddenly realized that we had done... <laughs> Past the point of no return for a district competition in 1991 <laughs> Our friendship is fully grown human being. You can go to the army and vote. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very cool. We've known each other forever. <laughs> she was the first person I thought of when I, I got accepted. I was like, I should call Julia because Julia directed my very first play. 
right. You actually goaded me into doing it because I'd been sort of sitting on my work for a long time, kind of hiding it from the world. And Julia was like, um, Kimbro, you write stuff. Why don't you write something and we'll put it on the Fringe Festival in Orlando, which um, we did. We did. And it was a big, huge hit. And yeah. So thanks for that, by it the was, way. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I loved it. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the second song here we're going to play from the... Second song is a song called Near Love Song. This is easier to set up. Basically, um, when Moggs and Sonny meet, they meet at a Hollywood party where they really can't communicate. They can't reach through to each other because she's there with her husband and Moggs is surrounded by paparazzi who are trying to destroy him. So basically, the next opportunity they get to meet is virtual. They basically meet in a virtual dating room called loverslane.com or some such. And um, this whole scene is basically them trying to get a moment alone and really connect with each other, but they're being harassed by pop-up windows who are incarnate pop-up windows and all of these crazy, crazy, crazy creatures. So, voila. <laughs> all right, let's take a listen. Pink shirt, black boots, blue hair with black roots. Here goes nothing. Come here, you young thing. Hey, boy, how have you been? Since quarter to ten, pathetically lonely but likely to grin. Now that you've come around, and now that we found a place far away from the maddening crowd. Bang, bang, how'd you like to shoot off some rounds? Damn pop-ups. Kill the book, take a grizzly bear down. Down you go. Give your tired mind a rest, a soothing bath, a nice massage, inner peace at modest prices, Monica's new spa. This is kind of near annoying. It's the best place I've found. We can find a quiet corner and near mess around. Hey, PG-13. We can always upgrade. I know a few hacks. You're a slut. That's my trick. Come on, do see do see the robot rodeo. Don't delay this new download. Now grab your partner. Off you go. Half calls. Get lost. Thanks, but no. Soon we'll have 
Now, what theater are you going to be playing at here for the New York Musical Theater Festival? The ATA. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is where? The 54th. <laughs> yeah, I want to say 54. I'm so sorry. I can't remember the address. 300 and something 54th. 54th Between 8th and 9th. It's above the courthouse. Okay, so now nobody needs to go anywhere to figure out how to go to your show because they've gotten such clear directions. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> go to nymph.org and find out there. And find it exactly. I've only been there twice. I yeah. know. <laughs> I'm from out of town, that's my excuse. <laughs> so, what have been the biggest challenges so far as you head into production? And- well, we just started. I mean, um, it's been going really smoothly, but I think for any, at least from the director's standpoint, the challenge is always rehearsing in a space that will not be the theater. So yeah. it takes a lot of imagination and I think a lot of trust on the actor's part as well because they just, they really have to trust you that you're I sitting the in the I love the spaces right place. that do automatically turn into the theater. Yeah, and this is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a technology that we need. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny, too, because we've been rehearsing for the last two days, and we, we're working on a two-story stage, essentially. It's got this big catwalk that's, it's very cool for a rock show. How do you load that in and out in 15 minutes on a, <laughs> right. on a festival schedule? Well, thankfully, that's just part of the venue, but, you know, we're rehearsing on one yeah. level, so we're like, hi, I'm currently looming over you, but I'm actually looking up at you right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So again, it takes a lot of imagination yeah. to, to keep it straight. So imagination, but aren't we getting everything electronically pumped into our brain? That would be really helpful of... right now, actually. <laughs> it would, it would. As much as I, I demonize the technology, I was really, really wanting a bio PC the other day when I was having some issues. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, My Illustrious Wasteland is from October 1st to the 10th. You can find all the specific wonderful, you know, festival schedule dates at uh, nymph.org and uh, Todd Kimbrough and Julia Granacki I thank you so much for stopping by to tell us about your program about your show and best of luck as you you continue on the boards a new twist on an old Scottish folktale comes to New York Musical Theatre Festival with Marrying Meg from September 29th through October 6th and we have a Book, music, and lyric writer and Scotsman, Mark Robertson here with us. Hi, That's me. Yes. And we have actor Jim Newman as well. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're good. doing good, yeah. Uh, I don't know how we're going to be able to tell the two of you apart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the accents are very similar. <laughs> so first, I'm doing this to kind of everybody just for fun. Uh, Mark, you got 15 seconds on an elevator with somebody. Your 15-second elevator pitch to try to convince them why they should come see Marrying Meg. Marrying Meg is old-school book musical. Lots of laughs, a little bit of sentiment, a lot of fun. There's a great story, a surprising story. It's not groundbreaking. It's not um, uh, at all the future of musical theatre, but it is a damn good show and a really, really good fun night out. Okay, I didn't understand a word you said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't understand it. (laughs) kidding. Okay, Jim, your 15-second elevator pitch. Yeah, it's a beautiful old folktale with surprisingly contemporary themes. I mean, there's a lot of themes about uh, uh, responsibility of the press 
which is very interesting because he's um, he's an old the character I play is an old folk uh, tale writer. He's writing his perfect ballad, but really he learned that there's a responsibility in what you say, not just the consequences of of what you write, but also how you go about getting that story to make it better. You know, so Perez Hilton could learn something from this little piece. <laughs> you know, Jim, I can tell that you're really starting to work in a Scottish accent because you've got this really strange thing going on just in your you're yeah. being influenced. He's in the room next to you, and you're working in a Scottish. Accent, and you got this. Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Alabama. Yeah, and then, so you got this really strange yeah, concoction happening. Right yeah, now. it's it's bizarre. Like I'll start doing the accent, and then all of a sudden I'll start talking like I'm Indian, and then it's weird. <laughs> yeah. So now you know. Now a little bit longer than 15 seconds. You got a little bit of time to set up. What is marrying Meg? What well, it, it, there's a kind of a story within the story that um, Jim plays uh, Thomas the Rhymer, who's a famous borders uh, minstrel, and he wants to write this uh, the, his heroic mortal ballad of mortal daring do, his kind of masterpiece. But he, along the way, he gets cursed with a tongue that cannot lie. So everything he has to chronicle has to be the truth. This now, is a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jim Carrey stole that from. From an old Scottish folktale from 600 years ago. And you don't have to pay licensing <laughs> rights. Absolutely <laughs> not. But uh, the story he chronicles is about a girl called Meg, and um, Meg is 22 and still unmarried. And you know, in Scotland in 1603, being unmarried at 22 is a bad, bad thing. And in Montana un- too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a gigantic mouth, by the way, which is why she's not married. Well, it kind of isn't. It kind of isn't. She's got a big mouth, but uh, it's been exaggerated over the years because Thomas the Rhymer wrote this little scurrilous rhyme about her and, and uh, you know and the kind of the rumours of snowballed and snowballed into this this uh, into the people picture her as this kind of frightsome hag which is not, <laughs> not the truth at all but because of these rumours nobody's going to marry her so Meg is kind of she kind of decides to take matters into her own hands because you know her, her life is under the control of men and she's decide, she decides to kind of head out there and you know take her own life uh, get her own life back into her own command and uh, get her man Frightsome hag. Frightsome hag. There you go. eh? And Jim, you've been working on your Scottish accent now for two years? Yeah, uh, or or (laughs) 22 hours. (laughs) Not counting Scotty and Star Trek. You're actually just a day into rehearsals, correct? Right. The funny thing is, Scotty and Star Trek was played by an Irishman. I know, I know. But he was doing a Scottish accent. (laughs) He he was. Or trying. Trying. And and how much does, uh, you know, like... uh, Austin Powers, uh, or you know, Mike Myers, you know. Sure, he's not bad. He does a fairly decent Glasgow accent. He's very West Coast. But yeah, he's okay. And Mel Gibson (laughs) did a fairly decent job in Braveheart. We're not precious about it. That's why I asked them yesterday if I could watch Braveheart. Would that be okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I understand, I think, a few more things of what you're saying here in the interview than I did of Braveheart. Oh, right. I think there were whole swaths of that movie where I was like, what? Where's yeah. the subtitles? Yeah. Right. That's how I felt about train spotting. I had no idea what they were saying. Well, before we continue out of the interview, uh, I know you brought in a, a great demo here. Do you want to play yeah. one of the songs? Do you want to set this first Yes, track? well, uh, the first song we'd like to do to play is, is um, The World Down There. Then this is the song right at the top of the show when Thomas sets out uh, what he wants to do, how he wants to, to write this ballad, and, and it kind of sets out his, his goal for the whole show and the kind of story he wants. And this, it's, uh, yeah, that's it. It's his I Want song, really. All right. Take a listen. Lady, can you feel it? Something in the very air we breathe Nothing to conceal it 
Everywhere around us, tension seethe. Any moment now, we'll sort and sheathe. Eager for a chance to slash again. Welcome to the wondrous world, oh man. Dear someone down there, filled with heroes who'll fight for honor and justice where the passions flare. And forever ignite the drama we crave. It's a world of contention, dissension, dispute, swordplay and gunplay, the dagger, the boot, and more. All for me to explore, there's a world down there, filled with maidens who blush and blackguards who butcher where the dauntless dare. And the wicked will gush their murderous blood. It's a world full of stories more precious than gold. Stories that simply demand to be told by me. Such a wonder to see is the world down there. Wherefore is the man who would doubt it? Conflict, it's a part of the soul. Tell me what would art be without it? Nothing I fear, that's why I'm here. Someone down there, filled with battles to be, for Thomas to capture gallant lambs to spare. Simply waiting for me to put a in song, and without seeming proud, might I venture to claim Just a story I need to find now. I've got it all charted out in my head. First off, I'll want full-blooded action. Plan warfare, the clashing, no swords. Next, some kind of star-crossed attraction. One aching heart, doomed from the start. Then a climax, the like they've never seen, lady. With our hero restrained by the enemy clan, will he yield to their threats or go out like a man? Then an end sublime, heartfelt and timeless as time. Pathos so cruel, it's a crime as it draws to a close. Fight the story like that, and by God I'll compose me a Shadow here and now, I swear, twill be truly the best that's ever been made. And just where in the world will I find such a tale? Some place where passion and violence prevail. But where? Oh, I think that you can last. Where? Let me tell you again, last. Where in the world? There. All right, so Scotland to New York, uh, 
how, how was making this this journey and, and, and the time you need to spend in New York to get this up? How did you arrange all that? Well, it's been uh, Nymph have been extremely helpful. They've been uh, they've given me a lot of contacts, and, and I've got a lot of friends in, in a kind of the musical theatre business in London who've also given me a lot of contacts. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually been surprisingly easy. <laughs> How long have you been here now? Just, what, five days now. I'm here till the end. I'm going to be here for the first two weeks of rehearsals, and then uh, I'm going to let them run with it after that. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll come back and, for the dress rehearsal and see what's happening see in the meantime. And see a different show. <laughs> we're now doing My Fair Lady. And then he won't be able to understand a word we're saying by that point. <laughs> yeah, he's done, he's done a really interesting thing with, this, with the character of Thomas the Rhymer, which I love. I love that... Uh, most uh, leading characters are um, in conflict looking for love, and he's actually a character who's in love looking for conflict, which I think is a really interesting yeah. concept. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that he's, he's not a character we sympathize with. We do not sympathize with his goals. We do not want him to complete this ballad. We want, you know, we want Meg to get her man at the end. Thomas doesn't want Meg to get her man. Because Meg, Meg's man is given the choice halfway through the show of marrying Meg or being hanged in the morning. And Thomas wants, um, uh, wants Willie to go to the gallows, wants this young man to go to the gallows rather than be forced into a loveless marriage. He wants a kind of a tragedy magic hero for the end of his story but uh, the audience doesn't want that at all the audience wants Meg to get her man so at the end of the show um, it's, it's that big choice that we have to make all right. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that that is his choice. Like normally, that would not be a choice. Yeah. What's so bad? But because he's got this extremely large mouth, he has to really weigh his options there, which is kind of funny. You know, there's other things. An extremely large mouth is good. <laughs> yeah, I know. When it might not be such a bad thing. <laughs> All right. Should we play the next song here from your demo? Yeah, sure. This is uh, this is um, toward, this is a great big chorus number towards the end of, of Act Two, and it's just before uh, Willie Scott, uh, Meg's young man, is just about to be uh, brought up to be hanged. Uh, so this is a big company number where they're all erecting the gallows here uh, and looking forward to a damn good hanging. All right, let's take a listen. Here's a wee story for all that it's worth. Big Ian Calder, a giant from birth. Seven feet tall and the same, if not more, round his gut. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. They tried to hang him for stealing some sheep. Snap went the gallows as off he did leap, sending him into the crowd in a bone crunching heap. There were six broken limbs, I remember. There were countless abrasions, no doubt. Someone died, I recall, from the brunt of the fall And one old woman's heart just gave out Oh, a shame Two dead, dozens injured, screams piercing the night Now that's what I call entertainment, all right It's a wonderful day for a hanging It's a glorious morning for death it's a lark, it's a game, you'll be glad that you came When you're hearing him wrangling, watching him dangling Fun, thrills, man, what a do Educational to the agree It's a wonderful, wonderful day for a hanging As long as they're not hanging me Now here, John, you're looking a singer, yeah? Think of when reckless romancing was rife Picture a lad in the prime of his life Soon to be swinging for a bed in some nobleman's wife. Oh, 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 
marched him up onto the gallows they did. Screams as he lunged for the knife that he'd hid, slashing his way in a desperate and dangerous bid. Take that, you blagger, with the musket balls chewing his rear end. Like a lion, he fought to be free. Well, he made it intact, and I know it's a fact, for that reckless romancer was me. You believe her, you believe An arse full of gunshot, my God, you see stars. Stay right where you are, and I'll show you the scars. No, 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 It's a glorious morning for death. And when the rascal meets rope, you just hope against hope. He'll be noble, dependable, truly suspendable. Laughs, tears, time of your life. Bring the bairns and the wife and you'll see. It's a wonderful, wonderful day for a hanging as long as they're not hanging me. Here, come on, Liz, you get a verse of this here. Young Alec Wilson, now that was the best. Murdering blackguard, but musically blessed. Leave to perform for the crowd was his final request. Oh, there's the that, Gino. Gino. There on the gallows, his genius was fired. Songs by the hundred, the man was inspired. Hour after hour, with the crowd joining in as required. With the With the night closing in, he kept singing. A triumphant performance to see. And we cheer the young pup till the hangman piped up that he'd better get home for his tea. Halfway through a chorus, swung off for his crime. And damned if the lad wasn't swinging in time. It's a wonderful day for a hanging. It's a glorious morning for death. We'd express our regrets, but we're all placing bets on how long you'll stay twitching for. That's what we're itching for. Guts, pride, come for a treat. Book your favourite seat for a fee. It's a wonderful, wonderful day for a hanging as long as they're not hanging me. Bonny blue sky, birds on the wing, filling the boys with the joys of the spring. On such a day, you can happily hoist up. About how highly strung he was Awfully well hung he was Case, hail, we'll have a ball And the best thing of all is it's free It's a wonderful, wonderful day for a hanging As long as they're not hanging me or my kinfolk As long as they're not hanging me So how large did you cast? Ten. 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 And everybody's Scottish? Yeah, no. no. Everybody, everybody has to do the Scottish accent? Everybody has to do the Scottish everybody accent. Everybody has yeah. to. You, you, you hear probably different areas, regions of Scotland. Oh, I think we'll kind of traverse the whole of Scotland <laughs> yeah. somehow. I'll too. definitely be southern <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> sure. So you're going to have like powwows and campouts to get the... Yeah, we had a girl from uh, to try uh, Juilliard. It's not like watching Keanu Reeves do an <laughs> accent in any movie. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cringe when I see bad Southern accents. So, I mean, I think you get a break at NIMP. People know the rehearsal schedule is really short. And uh, I think the thing about NIMP for me is 
it's less about the actors and really about the the writer. It's about getting his play seen and the story making it very clear. Less about me as an actor in New York being, oh, I got to be good and maybe someone will see me. And it's less about that. I think for the, these festivals, it's really about the play and getting the play seen and making it clear. And so I can do an Egyptian accent. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah, I say that right now because when people come to hear my really bad accent, they'll give me a break. <laughs> But I'm so not worried about the accent. Everyone is so worried about the accents here. But I'm going, as long as we tell the story, as long as it's clear, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. all I can ask for. It's all I can ask for, too. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm hearing myself in the headphones and yeah. cringing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just kind of a heritage thing. I've always wondered why... You know, people seem to give Americans such a hard time doing other accents, but like the British, you know, like I, the British give Americans a hard ass time at any time an American takes on like a, a notorious British role in the movies, i.e., like when Renee Zellweger mm-hmm. did, you know, uh, Bridget, you know, Bridget Diary, Bridget Jones. Which but all those Brits then. come over here and you know, well, exactly, and, and do an American fair accent. Fair give and take, I see. And Renee Zellweger's fantastic as Bridget Jones. <laughs> she was, yeah. She we was get, great. We, they all come. You know, Australians. We have a lot of Australians yeah. doing American accents. And we got yeah. Mel Gibson, yeah. Australian. And doing brave well, in general, we have a lot of people doing American accents because, quite frankly, we rule the cinema. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair it's point. True. <laughs> but you know, why does it? But it, it seems in general that people are a lot less accepting of Americans going out and doing accents. Is that because we're not as good at them in general, or is that because mm. of a? Is or is that because they're so familiar with our actors speaking? That way, like a lot of these British actors who do the American accents, we don't really know what they sound like. Yeah, I think you know? it's just because we're so arrogant they just want to take <laughs> us down know. a peg is what I think it we is. We don't really hear Mel Gibson speak all that much. So if he does an American accent or any other accent, it's not strange. I mean, is that part of it? I don't know. I'm just... I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I haven't lived overseas, so I, I, you know, I only get the sense that the American sentiment is the sentiment about America's, you know, our ego is gigantic, and so they want to bring us down a peg. That's what I, I, do, always I think do. About. I do think. That, I do think that Americans are more accepting of, of of British actors coming over here to do American accents than than. Yeah, I do think that's true. I don't know why that is. So way off topic. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> off topic. Yeah. But marrying Meg accents. Aside sounds like a, a really interesting tale, and it, it sounds right for musicalization. Well, you know, if if if, if you're looking for a, you know a traditional, old-fashioned musical comedy, um, it's a show for you. Yeah, it's I don't know how many eighty-year-olds we got. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think the themes are actually well. Very, yeah, the very themes are contemporary. Yeah, the whole kind of interference of the press and and, and yeah. Meg's story is about you know having the courage to take your your life uh, in your own hands and 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 yeah overcome male yeah. oppression. So there, there is a kind of a seventeenth-century feminist aspect to the whole yeah, thing under it all. Absolutely, I also think the the sense of humor of the piece is very uh, contemporary. You know, it's got yeah. like a tongue-in-cheek yeah yeah mm-hmm. sense of humor about it, which is really accessible. Oh, oh, I think so. I think there's, yeah. a, I think there's going to be a lot of laughs, especially with the cast we've got. I mean, my God, we've got a real stellar cast of, of Broadway comic talent. Yeah, we must have some notable names you'd like to. Yeah, share. Michael McCormick. He's uh, he's playing Sir Gideon for us. He's um, uh, curtains was the last thing he was seen in, but uh, I mean, at the read through, he's practically off the book at the read through. And he and Stephen Berger, um, who they, they're kind of a double act in the show, and they know each other really well. But they're just you know they're they're playing off each other already. And yeah, the number of laughs they got at the first reading was was worrying. I think we're going to be adding fifteen minutes to the 
shorts in. <laughs> and Kathy Fitzgerald is another one. She's she's uh, just about to uh, to close in, in nine to five. I saw right. her last night actually, and she stopped the show. She was fantastic. She's a really real comic talent, and we I feel really lucky to have you know because some of these jokes I wrote in the show like years ago. This is a show that's been long in development, and I'm finally seeing this stuff performed by you know by real genuine Broadway A-list comic talent, and I, I'm hugely privileged about that. Yeah, it's great to be working with people you worked with. I mean, I did curtains with Michael and Stephanie Yule, who was also oh, she's curtains. gorgeous so we together. As well. And then uh, William Ryle and I, maybe 15, 20 years ago, did an industrial for Miller Beer, dressed as beer cans, choreographed <laughs> by Susan Stroman. And I haven't worked with him since, and so now we're back. In I think she lists that prominently on her resume. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the top of her resume. Susan Stroman, who did the beer can and mine, choreography. A, a can of Milwaukee's Best. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Right at the top of my resume. <laughs> All right. So, again, Marrying Meg runs from September 29th through October 6th. Uh, you can go to the nymph.org site to find out specific, you know, times with this crazy, you know, festival scheduling of everything going on. Um, what theater are you guys playing at? We're at the, the Theater at St. Clement's, which is, I'll just look at my crib sheet here, um, I can't even see because the address isn't on here. It's on 46. Is it 46? Yes, it is 40. It's on 46, Theater at St. Clement's. And I bet the address is at my website. Then <laughs> sure it will. <laughs> We're so at bad. At the address of our theater. <laughs> at Thank you so much, Mark Robertson and Jim Newman, for stopping by, and best Good of luck be. with marrying Meg. Thank you. Thank you. On the boards. Well, VH1 Save the Music campaigns aren't quite enough every year. We have a musical dealing with many of the same issues called Streetlights the Musical. It is uh, written by uh, Joe Dramala, who did the music in the book. And we also have director, co-producer, and frequent Broadway Bullet attendee <laughs> Ryan J. Davis here as well. How are you guys doing? Hi. Good. How are you? Good. You're actually uh, the very first interview we ever did for Broadway Bullet with yeah. your musical White Noise for Nymph, which has made a little noise for you been recently, huh? Yeah, that was in uh, 2006. We uh, debuted White Noise at the, at the New York Musical Theater Festival, and we uh, one of the very first interviews we ever did was on your show. Um, which is very cool. And we won't focus on that show since we've got a new show, but it has received a Broadway tryout in New Orleans, and people are kind of working out all the Yeah, it, it, uh, it had its regional premiere in New Orleans uh, a few months ago, and uh, they're pretty good notices. And uh, there's a couple different versions kicking around now, so we're, we're kind of uh, not sure what, what the future is uh, for that show, but it, it'll definitely have one in, some, in one's form or another, I think. <laughs> Isn't that the way with musical theater? Yeah, it appears still, to be. You still got another three or four years to go to hit the app. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've learned a lot about uh, the business of musical theater since uh, getting started with White Noise, for sure. <laughs> but Streetlights is your your new endeavor here at Nymph, and uh, tell us. Actually, I'm doing this to everybody here, and I'll, I'll give you. I'll make you do it first, Ryan. Your 15 second elevator pitch. You catch somebody on the elevator. You got 15 seconds to tell them why they should come see Streetlights. Uh, Streetlights is a new kind of musical. Uh, it's got a, a real, uh, authentic hip-hop score, uh, R&B, and it's really uh, new and contemporary. And it's about a group of kids who come together to make their community better. And uh, it's really kind of these these big themes of uh, change and, and what a, a single person can do to make a difference in their community, which Joe and I really uh, believe in. Yeah, one thing we felt really strong. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to give you. <laughs> <laughs> Your 15-second pitch, Joe. <laughs> Can I just build on his? <laughs> no, you got to your own 15-second pitch. Everybody's different takes, you know. This is, <laughs> it's been interesting to make everybody do their 15-second pitch. Yes, well, Streetlights, it's, it's like Ryan said, it's a modern-day um, modern 
pop hip hop musical that um, the the score is kind of the, the the biggest freshest element of the whole show and. Um, and we wanted to use the music and tell a story of kind of of, of young teenagers working to um, to rediscover some of the old civil rights um, tactics and you know and, and, and everything about the, the civil rights movement to kind of um, apply those lessons to the modern to the modern day and try to change the the community that they live in, which is a pretty rough community. And so they wanted to, you know, they it's about this group of kids who draw on the lessons of the civil rights movement um, and use music to do it and inspire their community to work for social justice. You're still going up flights, and the guy got off a few floors ago. <laughs> this is why Joe doesn't do the pitches. <laughs> no, okay. So now, w- without you know a 15 second limitation, w- what else is going on with white noise here? I, actually, I, I'm going to bring up a question right away. It's, it's said it's very contemporary, modern, you know, hip hop, pop, R and B. Um, and I know from a snippet I heard before we you know get ready to play that you got some very fast moving stuff. And I remember uh, talking with um, you know the, uh, the writer of a little show you know in the Heights, and uh, Lin Manuel said the reason he ended up playing the lead is because during all the workshops they couldn't find anybody who could learn to rap quick enough <laughs> to deal with the equity regulations with workshops. Huh. So my question is, how have has it been for you? Uh, so it, and it seems to me when I heard that it made sense that. A, when it's a style of music that's not right. in the norm yeah. for these performers, equity doesn't make any allowances for the extra time it may take them to adapt. And how has that played into your developing of the show? Um, you know, it has been more difficult to to find the, the characters that rap than the other characters. But but we've been workshopping this show for about, I guess, about a year and a half now. We've been working on the script and the score, um, like, publicly. And, and probably, like, for another year before that, prior, you know, bet- between us just, like, shaping the thing. And, um, and so it was... Uh, we had a lot of opportunities to kind of go through people and find and, and find people that could do it. And so the cast that we put together for this NIMP production is really strong, and we're just really excited about the abilities of everybody. They're all really fast learners, and they're all you know they're all people who are who are they're young people who were raised in the age of hip hop anyway, and so they're they're familiar with it. Maybe not from a perspective of performing it yet, but they're, they certainly listen to it. So. It was, uh, you know, throughout the workshop process. So it was, it was, it was difficult to find people who could learn it in in the twenty nine hour time that that equity gives you. Um, so this is, you know, the first time we've had done a full production of the show. So we'll get to have, you know, four four or so weeks to learn the score. And so I'm really excited to hear the show the way it's supposed to sound with a big with a big cast and with the appropriate amount of time to, right. to learn it. What, what's a big cast in a nymph musical? We're at a 15, 15 yeah. That is a big cast. Yeah. It's, like, it's Broadway size. <laughs> it's a big cast for us, for sure. Our last nymph show, I think, had six people on it. So. <laughs> it did. Well, before I go further, maybe you should listen to one of the songs here from the show on your uh, your demo recording or what is it? What yeah, you know, this is a demo and, and actually these both of these recordings are actually going to be made available for sale on a CD that's going to go on sale around October, around the time the show opens, um, which is not going to be a cast recording, but it's just going to be a kind of a concept recording of the songs from the show. But So you want to set up this first song we're going to play? Sure. Is, I, I guess we're doing Georgetown first. Uh, this is it's a pretty self-explanatory song. It's a, a about a, a young man who gets into Georgetown University, doesn't know how he's going to pay for it, but is determined to go. And the, uh, the the one of the things about the the music that we're really excited about is that one of the characters is kind of a hip hop producer, and he uses these samples from these old civil rights anthems in his music. And so this is one of those songs with one of those those samples from an old civil rights song, and that's how it starts with an old recording, and then it gets looped into the larger song. 
All right, let's take a listen. Gotta get out, gotta get out, gotta get out, gotta find a way. 
right. So what challenges lie ahead as, as you're heading into your rehearsal period for the show? Um, you know, one of the biggest things with Nymph uh, is that you have – we have 15 people who have 15 different schedules. And to get everybody in the same room uh, is probably the most difficult thing. Um, but we, uh, we that's why you pay them the big bucks. They don't <laughs> the have big, like conflicting big schedules. Nymph dollars. Yes, yes, <laughs> the, the, the big nymph minimum. Yeah, no, it's um, you know everybody. It's it's like a labor of love for everybody involved. Nobody's doing it for the money. So yeah. uh, you know we, we're lucky enough to have a cast that's really excited about the show. Um, I think uh, probably one of the most challenging things will be to. Uh, this is a complicated score uh, with a yeah. lot of big arrangements, and, and the music's very big. So it's going to be uh, challenging to, to make it sound perfect, but uh, I'm excited to have the time to do it. Yeah, you know, we, we're actually having to kind of reinvent the, the wheel a little bit on performing the music, too, because a lot of it is, is based on tracks and it's based on kind of samples. And so some of it is going to be tracked during the performance and some of it is going to be played live. And so it's, it's all about syncing that up. And, you know, we're working with a good MD and a good group of musicians to figure that out. But it's, it's, that, that's definitely a, a, a kind of a fun challenge. Um, and, you know, coming up after this, after this production, we're actually going to be doing the, uh, the show at the Old Globe in February, at the end of February. I guess we're allowed to talk about that. Now. I think, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be kind of exciting. It's, very, yeah, very exciting. It's very exciting. Is Absolutely. this part of their featured season? or I guess I'm not familiar. I know that a lot of big things you know, travel in and out through the Old Globe on their way to you know, Broadway, but do they have different tiers or different levels? Where, where is your show situated in that? Well, you know, it's, pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. That Nymph actually forwarded the show to them because um, they have this program where they get grant money to work with a local high school, and this show just kind of fit perfectly because it's, it's about kind of a, a, a lower-income high school um, and then this group of students there, and so it's, it was just the right fit for them. But they were really, really, really excited about the show, and so we're we're just we're just starting the process of of working with them. But they're you know they've been really helpful even in kind of shaping the current draft of the script and things like that. So it'll perform in San Diego um, half the time at this uh, in downtown San Diego at this this performing arts high school, right? And half the time at the Old Globe for their regular subscriber base. So it'll be a great way for the, you know I, I'm a big fan of of uh, getting theater in front of people who can't necessarily afford it. You know, I, I think that, that too often people are uh, limited by how much they can see because $100 a ticket, you know. So uh, it'll be great to get, get the show in front of the kids who, uh, you know, we, we really wrote it for. So. Yep. All right. Well, let's take a listen to another one of the songs from your uh, concept recording here. Great. Want to set this one up? Yeah, this was, uh, th- This one is a little bit different. It takes place in, in the middle of a club, um, and one of the main characters, that uh, he's, he's kind of the main, one of the main guys... He and he has a love interest with the uh, kind of the main female who um, she you know. Well, she's, the main guy has a love interest with the main. Uh, no, female. I know. It's really very unusual wow. for, uh, for musical like theater. <coughs> it's a very brown gay. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, he's a little rough around the edges. You know, he grew, he grew up and he he was kind of a kind of a drug dealer and he's and he's still doing that. And this actually this song is is him in the club doing that. And then she shows up at the he has invited her to come meet him at the club and she shows up at the end and they start dancing together and that's that's kind of the song. All right, let's take a listen. Cool. Are you looking for the nightlife in the big city with the bright lights? You want to shine right? Everybody got a little vice. Everybody likes a little bit of white for the right price. Making life more lifelike with a little highlight. I can help you straighten up and fly right. Want to be impulsive now. 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 Yes, sir, to everybody who 
forgotten my story is a refresher Not the whole text, just a little excerpt All about how my family never had food in the fridge Or cash in the dresser And I took one look at the evils of the world And I picked the lesser Went into the private sector Now you know me, I'm cozy I'm good like a Cheshire Like H to the OV Check chatter like a food inspector So when the world seems upside down like Escher And you're popping your mercury like Freddy under pressure Here's a little nectar to make the night a little more effervescent Are you looking for the nightlight? Maybe you're sitting with the bright lights You wanna shine bright? Everybody got a little vice, everybody likes And a little bit of white for the right price Making life more lifelike with a little highlight I can straighten up the firelight Wanna be impulsive now Wanna be impulsive now Wanna be impulsive now Yes sir, Mr. Investor Coming in from the Westbergs With your best girl And you got your best dress shirt Don't you wanna impress her? Think about how she's gonna show love When you roll up with a little cola Don't you wanna showcase your net worth How much is a girl's respect worth? And look at all the college girls And they all dressed up like little home wreckers I'll give you an A for effort I can be your best professor Party like it's the end of the semester If you're selling that powder Looking for the best move Do it like Neptune's look for All the girls standing in line for the restroom Are you looking for the nightlight? Maybe you're sitting with the bright lights You wanna shine bright? Everybody got a little vice, everybody likes And a little bit of white for the right price Making life more lifelike with a little highlight I can straighten up the fly right Wanna be impulsive now Wanna be impulsive now Wanna be impulsive now So uh, Street Lights is taking place uh, between the October 13th and October 18th. Well, when are the last shows to open? So, and I let people know they can go to, uh, I'm guessing they can get your, the crazy, you know, showcase schedule or uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the crazy festival schedule at your own website? Yes, yeah, streetlightsmusical.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also encourage people to find us on Facebook and become a fan. Uh, that's a great way to Facebook, follow. Facebook, Twitter, MySpace. All, all, all the usual. All, all the usual. Sp- and songs and videos are on the website to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lots, lots to see and hear. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people can also go to nymph.org for more information as well. And to buy their tickets. Yeah. And check out all the other <laughs> festival shows as well. It's, an, it's a great festival this year. It's really exciting yeah. to, to return to the Nymph and uh, to, to work with them again. All right. And any parting shots you want to get out here before we wrap this up? Um, we just hope people come check it out. It, it, it's a complete 180 from the last thing we did. So uh, 
we're, we're anxious to, to, to do a show where a people can feel good about uh, uh, applauding after each song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe Damala and Ryan Davis, thanks so much for stopping by. And Thank Ryan, you. what is this, your 18th appearance on the show? <laughs> I, think, yeah, I, I think I'll become a co-host pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Best of luck with Streetlights. Thanks. thanks. On the boards. Thank God for WordPerfect. A little cut, copy, and paste in Shakespeare's dialogue and text has been reorganized into a new musical composed and conceptualized by Will Reynolds. The Greenwood Tree is playing September 30th and October 2nd at the New York Musical Theater Festival in a concert reading. And we have Will Reynolds, the composer and conceptualist, here with us to talk about the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. All right, so I'm doing this with everybody. Your 15-second elevator pitch. You bump into somebody in the elevator, you got 15 seconds to tell them why they should see your show. Uh, because Shakespeare is sexy, and this is all about seeing a whole new cast of Shakespeare's characters fall in love and get in trouble with each other with a, whole, with a crazy, amazing folk pop score. It's Shakespeare like you've never seen it before. All right, so good. Is this because last year in the eighth grade you started studying Shakespeare? <laughs> no, uh, right. Uh, no, it all it all started uh, back in puberty's dr- treated you well. Yeah, <laughs> so you look very young. Right, yeah. I'm I'm actually thirteen. Um, <laughs> uh, no, this all started back in school uh, at Carnegie Mellon, where I went to uh, for school of drama, and um, I was asked to set uh, the song "Oh Miss," uh, no, um, "Who Is Sylvia" from Two Gentlemen of Verona. And uh, I set it for this production at school, and I, was, I just started looking at the Shakespeare songs, and I was really liking what was kind of coming up for me. And so I set about five or six of them, and then we had this opportunity at school at, called Playground where you have a week off of school, and do you have the entire week to get a group together and just create a 45-minute thing. And there was like a weekend of showings, and so I had decided to make this Shakespeare musical thing, and I did, and I needed to find the storyline to set, to put these songs in, and I looked at the sonnets, and I ripped them all out and put them all around me, and started and a story has just started to pop out, and uh, since then I it, we did it at school at Carnegie Mellon a couple, a couple years back, and then. Uh, this past February, I picked it up again. There's, I wrote seven or eight new songs for it, re- revised the book, and uh, it got into Nymph, and here we are. Yeah. So how old are you? I just turned 27. Okay, well, yeah, you, you, you're one of those people that, like, you, um, like I think Trish, my girlfriend, keeps telling me that a Miley Cyrus, that the, the older brother that's still in high school is actually, like, 30-something. <laughs> right, you <know>? exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm an actor as well, and I, I just played a 14-year-old, so yeah. <laughs> it's, go, it's going well. <laughs> So before we continue, maybe we can uh, take a quick listen to one of the songs yeah, from your yes, demo. Please. Do you yeah. want to set up this first song? Yeah, this is uh, pretty much the opening uh, The opening song. It introduces the two main characters. Um, one is a poet who kind of reminds you of Shakespeare, and the other is his friend who is a, song, who is a musician, guitar player. And this is they come out singing this song of theirs, and it's called Under the Greenwood Tree. All right, let's take a listen. Under the Greenwood Tree Who loves to lie with her Who loves to lie with me? 
So I, um, one last thing, and then I'll stop harping on, on, on the you thing. When you walk into a rehearsal, is everybody looking around for the, the composer and going, no, 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 it's not you? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Not, not yet, at least. Because, um, you know, they're mostly my friends. <laughs> so they know who I am. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so what has been the continuing process then from expanding it from a 45-minute thing into is, is this full length now? or, or? Uh, It's, it's going to be it's, – it's like a 90-minute show, no that's intermission. A, that's, that's full length. And I think, yeah, I think it's good full, full length. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. It's not – yeah, it's not your typical Shakespeare length. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, what was the biggest challenge finding, you know, in, in finding the material and, and putting it all together? Uh, I guess the biggest the biggest thing was finding a way to to take the take this poetry take these sonnets and to make them dramatic and to make you know dramatic dramatic moments and thea- and make it theatrical and make a story that is compelling that isn't just people speeching at each other and so I took a lot of liberties with the with the poetry I hope Shakespeare's cool with that he's been an amazing collaborator um, on that end his agent will be calling you up <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah so really just that was it because the music. The music was always happening. Like I, I would take a Shakespeare song, and it was they set they seemed to set themselves for me. And I've also set some sonnets. I've set some other various po- various poetry of him. So the music was always happening. But it was it was the glue between and, and how getting these characters to come alive and using using the poetry to do that. And and, and in a way that will be accessible to an audience and will be exciting and fun and fresh and all those things that we try to do. <laughs> yeah. So now you got a concert reading, uh, right? So, so what is this all entailing, uh, coordination-wise, for you to? Oh, uh, really? We well, we just lined up an amazing, amazing cast that I would love to um, plug right now because okay. they're amazing. Um, we have, See if they mind getting plugged. Right. <laughs> um, uh, we have uh, Nikki Renee Daniels playing Sylvia. And uh, we have uh, Jeremy Jordan, who's in Rock of Ages right now, playing the musician. And Hunter Herdlicka, who's fresh out of Carnegie Mellon, uh, who's about to make his Broadway debut in a show I can't announce yet, though he's told me. But uh, it's a big deal, uh, playing the poet. And then we have uh, uh, Martin Moran as Puck, who's amazing. And Teresa McCarthy singing on uh, – she's a soloist. Uh, it's it's a it's a pretty pretty amazing cast, and then we we have an ensemble as well. But uh, we so we just finished collecting our cast, 
And now it's just about getting them all together, getting our musicians together. Uh, we have the guitarist from um, Next to Normal playing, playing with us, um, Eric B. Davis, who's I just met with last night, who I was just so jazzed about. He's fantastic. And our amazing music director, Andy Einhorn. Cool. Yeah. Now, when collecting your cast, if you don't take them out of the plastic wrap, they hold their value a lot better. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Yeah. It's good to know. All right. Do you want to play the second song here from your demo? Yeah. So uh, this song is, again, the poet and the musician. It's uh, when Sylvia comes onto the scene and uh, both boys have been struck by Puck's magic love flower and they've, they've fallen completely smitten for her. And she's kind of, uh, she's kind of a tough cookie. And uh, she, uh, they, they both want to win her and so uh, they start up singing the song to her and it's called Oh Mistress Mine Alright, let's take a listen Oh Mistress Mine, where are you roaming? Oh stay and hear your true love's coming That can sing both high and low That can sing both high and low Oh Mistress mine, mine. 
right, so this concert reading is going to be this September 30th and October 2nd again. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any future plans yet in mind for the for the show? No, I mean, we're just, uh, like I said, I, we did it at school, and then it kind of, it, I, you know, went off and did a million other things, and then finally I was like, you know, I want to go back to the show, and I, I was just feeling like I had new ideas for it. So it's really kind of new to me. Like, I, I just went back to it a couple months ago, getting it ready for Nymph. So now it's just about getting it up, bringing some people in to see it who can hopefully bring it to its next level. I want to send it out to every Shakespeare company out in the country because I think it'd be a great companion piece to any Shakespeare season because it's a, you know, I think they're always looking for musicals with Shakespeare companies, but there are so few that are that will really work for them. So I think this is a really great opportunity for a Shakespeare company to have a musical in their season. So I'm excited to share that. All yeah. right. Any parting shots you'd like to get out? No, just please come. Check it out. Um, we're, we're so excited, and we hope to see you there. Thank you. So um, I understand you have your own website, too, for this, the, the Greenwood the greenwoodtreemusical.com. Yes, thank oh. you. And so they can go check that out. They can also go find out more at the Nymph dot org website yeah and also my own website which is willreynoldsonline.com where you can check out the rest of my musical world yeah all right so uh will reynolds thanks so much and uh hopefully your transition into high school goes smoothly (laughs) thanks thanks so much (laughs) chemistry is going to be rough but it's going to be good (laughs) all right thanks on the board well there definitely doesn't seem to be anything hotter than vampires in entertainment these days whether it's books movies or on stage in a musical at nymph with the cure the cure is running september 29th through october 11th and we have writer book music and lyrics mark weiser here with director elizabeth lucas who's should be familiar to some longtime listeners she's been on here a few times i guess this is reunion week how are you guys doing Great. doing good thanks for having us back <laughs> all right so first i'm kind of making everybody do this, not the whole thing. Elizabeth, your 15-second elevator pitch. You just bump into somebody in the elevator, you got 15 seconds to tell them why to come see The Cure. It's an awesome rock and roll vampire musical set in modern times, and uh, it's about two friends who encounter the last surviving coven of vampires and are given a choice to join, and one decides to join and one doesn't. All right. And Mark, what's your 15-second elevator pitch? Oh, well, that would be mine, but I'll give you the next 15 (laughs) seconds, which is if you want to see a great rock and roll show with a stunningly gorgeous cast of vampires singing wall-to-wall rock and roll that will blow you through the back walls of the room, come see The Cure. It is an amazing cast, and it's not necessarily folks you've heard of. It's it's the most amazing, young, attractive, hot group of rock and roll singers you're going to see on stage this season. Did you go on OneModelPlace.com and invite people to audition? <laughs> it, it, we, we found our cast in Transylvania 90210, as I like to call them. So, yeah. Michael Cassara, shout out. He did an awesome yes, job. Our casting director, Michael. He basically, uh, our cast is a great mix of some really strong Broadway rock and roll veterans with the yeah, next. Like Ryan from Bombay Dreams. Michael Buchanan, who was mm-hmm. in Cry Baby on Broadway, and all these great fresh-faced college grads who are now making their mark on the New York scene and are going to be the next wave of people you're seeing on Broadway. So it's a great fresh young cast of just the most amazing rock singers. When you look at our press pictures, it looks like Gossip Girl meets True Blood. It's, it's hot. <laughs> but do any of these people eat? Because the girls in Gossip Girl, man, they got to eat a cracker. <laughs> our <laughs> girls are gorgeous. They, they really, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what is the, the what's the genesis of the cure here? Well, I grew up working in the club scene in New York City. Um, I spent my childhood working at places, legendary clubs like the Tunnel and the Limelight, and I had always been amazed by the sort of search for eternal youth and beauty. And I thought, what an interesting city to set a vampire story in. And if you look at the history of film, the number one movie subject of all time is vampires. It's not Shakespeare. It's not the Bible. It's it's vampires. There are over 700 vampire movies that have been made. But all the Broadway shows that had been vampire in nature, and I won't mention any names, had always sort of been, you know, <laughs> Victorian and costume drama and... Um, uh, campy in nature. And I wanted to write something that was a rock and roll piece that sort of really spoke to emotional characters with um, a compelling story set in this sort of dark underworld of a big city like New York and what that um, conflict would be like. And that was where the cure came from. Yeah. So when you do tell people musical and vampires, how often do you get people cringing going, you know, I, I didn't want to see Dance of the Vampires. Uh. <laughs> yes. Less than we used to. You know, when we worked on this together four or five years ago, constantly. Now, you know, we're... Twilight! Well, exactly. it's everywhere. Dance, you know? yeah, yeah, you've got Vampire Diaries. True Blood. True Blood. Who doesn't love True Blood? And that's what leaps to people's minds sooner than, than the past vampires on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, it, to be fair, I don't think of it as a musical. I think of it the same way uh, you think of Tommy or, or Hair or Rent, um, you know, or The Wall by Pink Floyd. You know, I, I, I don't know how many people use necessarily the are, word. Are people supposed to come on, you know, alternative substances? Um, you know, I... <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Don't do drugs. I However, know. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I make no uh, I, I make no endorsements of any kind. But you know, um, I think certainly you'll be transported by the show alone. Uh, let me put it that way. But you know, with a rock and roll show, I think sometimes the word musical can be deceiving because it conjures up those other kinds of ideas. And I think, it, you know, it's more of a rock and roll fable is sort of the word we came up with, with her, for the show because it's really a more modern musical language. So, All right. Well, before we continue, uh, do you want to play one of the songs from your demo here? Sure. This is uh, a song that we demoed in the studio uh, when the show was in its infancy. It's a song that's still in the show, untouched from its original uh, uh, setup. is a song called Who I Am, which is a song about uh, one of the characters uh, grappling with the idea of accepting the vampire life and another character who is a vampire uh, struggling with um, trying to be true to his hunter vampire essence which is being uh, suppressed by the leader of the, the vampire world that they live in so it's two characters trying to come to terms with who they really are it's called who I am all right let's take a listen this is who I am the only way I know how to live What makes them so afraid Of who I am Just wants to hear them say Out loud that they love me and they're proud of who I am. Who is he? Does he cast a different shadow on the floor? 
does he have a life worth living anymore? What I'd give for the day I could hear him say, I As a director, did you come on board with this just recently, or have you been involved with the show for a while? I've been involved for uh, quite a long time off and on. You know, I saw the very first huge, gigantic reading at the Limelight and approached Mark shortly after that. That's just when I was getting started uh, with movie musicals. And I optioned the piece. Uh, I had about a year option on it where we spent time turning it into a screenplay. And uh, we put up a big reading at La Barbat, and it was a little early for me to raise that much money for a feature film. But since then, I've made three feature films, so uh, we're, we're trying you know, again. One, after the, as I will have already premiered as, as by the time this airs, your Clear Blue Tuesday. The, yes, Thursday night. You were on Clear a while ago talking about the show, so hopefully yeah. people can get a chance to find Clear Blue Tuesday as well. Yes, yes. So um, we, uh, so that's where my involvement came. Is Mark spending Mark and I spending a year doing some serious dramaturgy on it, doing some you know turning it into that screenplay, and now here we are turning it back for stage, um, which which has kind of been fascinating and wonderful because what we've ended up with is a script that has all sorts of parallel action, a lot of layers that we found in doing a screenplay that you wouldn't necessarily organically find if you were triggering it for for stage initially. So we uh, we have this piece that, that could go either direction, and we're certainly pursuing both the theatrical and the film directions very, very hard. Uh, and and it, it's, it's just so rich and so many characters and, and so many overlapping themes and parallels. And, you know, even the song we just heard, uh, Who I Am, it's these are two characters who don't necessarily interact a lot, who have found a thematic moment in common, and it turns out to be very powerful on the stage and a very powerful sort of statement of theme for these two characters to grapple and say, who do I want to be? You know, it's, it's a, it's, the show is a lot about these choices and deciding what kind of person we want to be and deciding how we want to interact with other people. And um, so, so all of that stuff comes together in these sort of thematic moments with these gorgeous anthemic rock songs. Now, as a director for the show with the Nymph, I imagine you have a little bit different perspective than many is. I don't know about this year, but I know you have worked extensively with Nymph, not just creatively, but with their board and organizationally, correct? Sure. I'm one of the founding producers, and uh, I've directed for it every year. Now, does this give you a different perspective on what you think helps a show stand out in a in a crowd of 
Absolutely. 45 you know, Productions. <laughs> <laughs> one of the beautiful things about Nymph that really forces you to do, if you're going to do a show well in Nymph, is to focus on the story and the characters and the sound and really focus on the words that you're presenting. So, you know, it's fully staged. It's not, you know, it's not millions of dollars of scenery. It, we're in rep with six other shows, but what it Not means is of sceneries, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> what it what it means is we're telling you the story in its purest possible form, and you know it's it's like when I'm directing my absolute favorite run through is almost always the last run through in the rehearsal room before you move into tech because the performances are so present and in your face and raw and it's all about these sort of interpersonal dynamics and they're just so great and uh, and Nymph kind of gives you a glimpse into that because you're not putting a bunch of other things in between the audience and the characters so you're really getting the story and the music and that's what Nymph does so beautifully to give that that really forces you to make sure that everything works. If it doesn't work, then then you know, no amount of money thrown on top of it's going to fix it. <laughs> All right. Well, before we continue, uh, do you want to play one more song here? Sure, absolutely. We did uh, a reading that Elizabeth was talking about at La Barbat about five years ago, and again we had this incredible cast of Broadway rock singers. And uh, this is a song from the second act of the show where um, pretty much everything is going to hell in the story, and all the central characters um, are at their darkest, lowest moments. Uh, and this is a song called "How We Die." All right. Let's take a listen. Yep. Lost your sheep.
missing, please. Do not open that door. I can't take any more. Are you sure the cure's not worse than the disease? Stay in the shadows. So The Cure is running September 29th through October 11th at the New York Musical Theatre Festival. And for all the great festival times, uh, is this also available on your own website? It is www.thecuremusical.com. All right. So thecuremusical.com, or people can find that information at nymph.org as well. And join our Facebook page. Uh, Of course. (laughs) Yes. Look for us on Facebook, The Cure, A Rock and Roll Fable. And any parting shots you'd like to get out here before we wrap up? 2009, the year of the vampire. Come see it live on stage. Okay. Thanks so much again for stopping by. One more time, Elizabeth Lucas and Mark Weiser for uh, coming down for the first time to Broadway Bullet. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Curtain call. Well, that wraps up Volume 319 of Broadway Bullet, the second part in our nymph coverage. You can go to broadwaybullet.com if you want to find links to everything we talked about in this show or go to nymph.org for more information on the shows in the festival. Also, don't forget, next week we've got not one but two brand new episodes, the third part in our nymph series as well as the behind-the-scenes coverage of the NY It Awards, which I'm sure is going to contain some amazing, amazing, amazing interviews yet again. So if you're set up to only receive the most recent episode, you might miss one. So go and double check and make sure you get it because you won't want to miss it. All right. Until next week, thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. The hairs
thing. The cops says my name and I'm in the can. Actually, the bar faith thing comes from my whole life. People just So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.